AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. It's my absolute privilege to welcome back to the show Paul Nyland, who is the founder of Lifeline Ukraine, a great organization in Ukraine offering mental health services and suicide prevention for Ukrainian service members, their families, and basically anyone else that needs it. Uh, and as, as we've talked before about Lifeline Ukraine and Ukraine as well, it is a high-demand service right now as the Ukrainians are dealing with the horrific aggressions of the Russian uh, uh, the Russian uh, dictator Putin. Uh, but as if you've been paying attention here, Ukraine is putting on a master's class of how you take down what is supposedly on paper a better force. They are absolutely kicking the Russians caboose at this point. And I think the writing is on the wall, but needless to say, the strain is still there until the Russians are out of Ukraine, and that includes Crimea. Paul's kind enough to join us today to talk in depth about what is going on in Ukraine right now. Paul, thank you very much. I appreciate the time. Matt, I really enjoyed our conversation last time, and I'm grateful to you for uh, inviting me back to come and chat with you again. I, 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 it is all my pleasure and and all my best to everyone over there. Um, you know, I can tell you this about Minneapolis-St. Paul. I don't see Russian flags. I see Ukrainian flags everywhere. They paint the buildings in the downtown, the Ukrainian flag colors. There's a tremendous amount of support. As, as there should be, because as we, we remind people, this is Russia just basically trying to, to, to steal part of Ukraine away. And Ukraine said enough's enough. And frankly, it has not gone the way the Russians thought it was going to. In the, in the last few months, it's been remarkable how well the Ukrainian forces have done because they have been able to make some inroads into these, these areas. And as a matter of fact, it's becoming very clear that the Russians are in big trouble uh, in these occupied territories. Uh, so the, the current situation uh, is, as you described, that the Ukrainians are making inroads into the occupied territories. But if you go back 18 months, it, it wasn't really um, Russia's intention then to take a part of Ukraine, uh, as you've just said in your question. R- Russia wanted to take all of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. They came for Kiev. They, they, they had a plan to, uh, to end Ukraine's democracy, to terminate the presidency of Zelensky and, and, and the, 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 the legitimate government of Ukraine and replace them with, with, with a Russian hand-picked puppet, right? And, and that's the essence of what this was about then was a, about a battle between democracy and either autocracy or kleptocracy, whichever phrase you, you prefer. And, you know, then... With the early Ukrainian military successes of, of, of driving the Russians out of the, the Kiev region and the north of, of the country, putting them back across the border into Belarus, where they, they'd come from. And then the, the, the further phases of the counteroffensives that, that kicked them out of the Kharkiv region and, and then took, and I remember that we talked about this last time as well, and, and talked about how vastly different those two military operations were, the, the Kharkiv offensive and the Kherson operation, mm-hmm. Kharkiv was lightning and Kherson was softly, softly, just patiently continue to deny them their logistics and their, their resupply opportunities until it became untenable for them to, to stay in the city of Kherson. And then we saw the wonderful scenes of of, of the people of Kherson being liberated and welcoming, welcoming back the, the Ukrainian army there. But but you know, what's, what, what's going on now again is remarkable it, it is a display of 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 military um ingenuity 
and I mean the 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 many different facets of this phase of the war and 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 what is going on with you know the the uh, naval drones hitting targets in the Black Sea with with the you know UAVs that are hitting targets inside of Russia, which is really really important for um, you know damaging Russia's ability like this. This massive drone strike on the Peskov airport a few days ago took out a bunch of IL-26 uh, military cargo planes, yeah. right? And that's what's being used to transport large amounts of men and equipment from remote regions of, of Russia or from wherever they're being produced towards the, the, the front lines. And a, a big part of that capacity just got just got taken out. So it's it's all these different aspects of of what is going on with with ukraine's counteroffensive but but what what the guys on the ground are doing you know I, if you if you were to look at the map on cnn international i'm not sure what they show there on on cnn domestically but but you see lots and lots of yellow spots and they're all along the front line ukraine is attacking everywhere on the front line and has been doing so to probe for weaknesses and in some places they they found them now and they're exploiting them to some incredible success there and they are i mean obviously one of the things that the russians did is they 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 dug trenches they planted a lot of mines there are some people that i think that didn't understand that were kind of wondering why is this taking a while and i i, I thought the ukrainian military considering what the, they had to clear out of the way first we were doing a remarkable job they are making these inroads and they're i, I was reading a little bit about the fact that it doesn't it's not going to take too much longer or further into these occupied territories where Ukraine is going to become a, a, have a, a massive advantage where they're going to be able to hit basically all the roads that supply the Russian forces. And so it, it really is going to change the dynamic of this. And really, as, as one person I read uh, was reading about, he's saying that's the beginning of the end of this for the Russians. If they can't supply their own troops via the road and can only do it via the sea, they're in, they're in big trouble. And that is why the recent capture, it, 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 it was liberated about 10 days ago. There's a small settlement called uh, Robotini um, in the, the south of Ukraine, and uh, the Ukrainians got it to that point. But what, what that meant was not just that there's uh, a small settlement of a few hundred people that have now fortunately been liberated. What that meant was that the Ukrainians had passed the minefields and we're at the point of those first uh, Russian uh, dug-in lines of, of defense, whether they're the, the trenches or whether they're the dragon's teeth or whatever else they're, they're, they're coming up against. But, I mean, you, you talk about the, the intensity of the mining. I, I, I read a news article yesterday that talked about a, a group of sappers who spent 18 hours crawling on their stomachs through a minefield that had six landmines for every square meter of, of 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 territory, right? And I mean, it, an eighteen-hour shift in any situation is is a is a pretty intense thing to have to do. But to be doing that, where you are constantly at risk of, with you know, the wrong placement of a hand or a foot of potentially losing that limb and and you know knowing what the importance of that is because you're you're clearing a path through for other forces to be able infantry forces and 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 guys who are going to start moving rapidly once they're at it face to face with the russians you know 
That's that's the kind of thing that's been going on. But getting to Robertini means that 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 the the first lines of defenses have been breached, and and the Ukrainians are very much exploiting that now. And and from what I'm reading, what is between the first and the second lines is not so heavily mined, um, and is and is less well manned. And in actual fact, throughout the front lines, the Russians are they're they're they're, they're low on manpower. Mm-hmm. Certainly low on trained manpower, right? I mean, and it's still, it's, it's insane that Putin thinks that, that another wave of mobilization, getting another 400, 450,000 troops is going to make the difference. You know, getting bodies is one thing. Having trained professional soldiers is quite another. Mm-hmm. And so, and so the, 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 the mobilized forces that have been holding some of these lines, yes, they're dangerous, Right, they're, they're men with automatic weapons. Anybody with an automatic weapon poses a threat to the lives of my friends. Right, mm-hmm. but these aren't professional soldiers, and and there are some professional soldiers in there. But as a whole, when you've got this mix of of maybe some paratroopers, some experienced military, and then a bunch of mobics, the, as we call the, the the mobilized, to simply make up the numbers and absorb Ukrainian ammunition, the overall fighting capacity of that particular unit is vastly diluted because mm-hmm. of the fact that they're, they're, they're not full of, of professional military who know what they're doing. But but the other important thing about Robertina is that that then gives Ukrainians sight to uh, a city called, uh, or a, a town called Tokmak. And from Tokmak then, as you've just said, everything, all the ground lines of communication, all of the supply routes, the roads, the rails that are in the south, that were um, taken because Putin wanted this land bridge to connect Russia itself to occupied Crimea. All of that from Tokmak is now under fire control of the Ukrainians and the Ukrainians are advancing in that direction with with certain success and with relative speed right now. And we should also mention a lot of those Russians that they're putting out there don't even have a weapon. They're not giving them weapons. They're not giving them ammunition. I don't know what they're thinking they're going to do outside of, as you said, absorb Ukrainian bullets. But, you know, the Russians clearly don't even care about their own troops. That should get, tell you everything there. There was there was a time in the American Civil War when the ironclad ships came out. And at one point, the two most powerful navies in the world were the, the North and the South. They literally had the most, you know, up-to-date uh, you know, naval navy, you know, containments at that point. There is a similar thing that's going on that Ukraine has taken over, and I have never seen a mastery of drones as you guys are doing right now. Your strikes deep into Russia, hitting military targets, the the stuff that you're doing out in the in the, in the Black Sea, it's a master's class at what you can do when you have people that understand how the drone operates and how is it most lethal in a combat situation, uh, it is truly incredible, your drone corps. That is, I mean, it's got to be the best on the planet right now. There's lots of things to say about that. One one thing is that uh, Ukrainians are particularly ingenious in general. <laughs> yes. they, they're, they're very, very smart people. They're very inventive. They're... You know, I mean, like the, 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 there's some big tech unicorns that have been born in Ukraine. There are some huge IT companies that are that are you know Ukrainian founded and 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 um, and, and and it's an extension of that. 
and and an understanding as well sadly that that you know the there was no way of achieving air superiority at this phase in the war by expecting modern western fighter jets to be delivered we 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 got that message a long time ago fortunately it's now changed but the only the only way to <laughs> the only way to achieve air superiority therefore was was through drone power and i i wrote an article uh maybe 4 months ago looking at how the the, the counteroffensive was going to begin. And, and one of the things that I, I said there is the first thing that you will see is you're going to see a massive wave of drones attacking the Russian positions inside of Ukraine. What I did not predict and what has been stunning in recent days, recent weeks in actual fact, or months in fact this has been going on for, is the, is the attacks inside Russia itself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, the, the, there was an attack... Yesterday, with a drone, I think it was in the city of Bryansk, and and the target that it hit was uh, a microelectronics factory um, yeah. that is producing. And and Ukraine had actually, uh, you know, like they they telegraphed this days in advance. They'd said, "We know where your drone production facilities are, and we're going to come for them." And then two days later, one of the factories that's producing circuit boards that are being used for the Russian produ- uh, uh, drone production. Was, was was hit and taken out, right? But you know, I mean, symbolic strikes in the heart of of Moscow, in in some of these high rise parts of Moscow, very very targeted strikes as well. Russia will throw cruise missiles. They, I mean, Monday night, Tuesday morning, they they threw twenty eight cruise missiles at Kiev. All twenty eight were were shot down, but they were all heading for civilian targets. Yeah. Russia doesn't care about civilian casualties. They want to maximize civilian casualties. When Ukraine has hit uh, business centers in, in, in Moscow, it's specifically flying those drones right into uh, premises that are being operated by certain ministries of the Russian government. Like, it's that pinpoint. And, and, and I mean, we, we mentioned the, the attack on, on Peskov the other day, uh, earlier on in the conversation as well. Peskov is 700 kilometers away from Ukraine's borders. That's some that's some long range capability to be able to do that. And and I again in my article four months ago, I was predicting the mass use of drones on the front, which we're also seeing as well. But I I couldn't have predicted these strikes into Russia itself. And and what it demonstrates so starkly is that Russia is completely incapable of defending its own territory, of defending its own country. And and for us, sitting here in Ukraine, when, when we're seeing these strikes, it, it just, it, it's, it's a source of glee, is what mm. it is. Well, and it's, and it's, as you said, your restraint you're you're hitting specific targets that have military or or technological uh, applications it's disgusting to watch the russians try to launch missiles into schools theaters parks crowded shopping areas that's that's and if that's the uh, not a sign of a failing war it's I, I don't know what it is and they just they there's nothing there they're a, a drunk man in a bar throwing haymakers in, in, in a in a dark room and they just don't they don't really seem to have any game plan these these awful barbaric strikes causing mass casualties 
on civilian targets. They've been they've been going on since the early days of this phase of the war. That's that 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 is what they do, and they do it very deliberately. There, there was recently about maybe five weeks ago, there, there was a pizza restaurant in a city not far from the front lines called Kramatorsk. Um, and the, 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 the restaurant was known. It was one of the only places that remained open because, I mean, it, it, it is not far away at all from the front lines, it, it, potentially within artillery range even. Um, but this, this, this pizza place uh, remained open and it was, it was popular with, with journalists particularly. And, and the Russians slammed a massive missile into it and killed, I think the final death toll there was, was 34 people, you know, including a pair of young uh, girls. They were twins. They were 14 years old, right? Mm-hmm. There, there was a very famous um, Ukrainian writer um, who'd been working on documenting war crimes. And she was there with uh, with, with a team of journalists from Colombia. Um, and, I mean, we, we saw... This time last year, um, there, there was a strike on a, a, a train station, and and that's deliberately targeting women and children who are evacuating. And 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 again, it was it was it was an absolute bloodbath. And 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 that's what that's what the Russians do. That is, that is what their war fighting style is about. For you for Ukraine, you know, as much as there is a deserved animosity between the people of Ukraine and the people of Russia who fail to condemn what their state is doing, Ukraine will still not waste a weapon taking out those either supportive or ambivalent Russian citizens because because Ukraine is not interested in that kind of thing and, and every single one of our missiles is better spent on hitting a a, a, an actual military target and something that's going to make a difference in this war. What Russia thinks makes a difference in this war is is terrorizing the people of Ukraine. Well, they've they've learned. Well, maybe they haven't learned, but we we have shown in the last eighteen months that we will not be terrorized, and 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 and, and we will go about defeating this evil that is attempting to subsume, destroy our country and genocide the people of the country. I will, uh, one final note here about the the military combat, which once again, Ukraine is absolutely doing a magnificent job at at this point, a a master's class on how you you repel a, a force. Uh, I was very interested to see that uh, the, the the marine landing that you guys had uh, down, I believe it was on the Crimean yeah. Peninsula, uh, completely caught the Russians off guard. We're not expecting it. Uh, well, and, and it kind of makes it seem like there's absolutely zero in the way of defense down there, which kind of, I, I, I think, you know, kind of opens up, a, uh, you know, the potential of a new front there. Because once again, if Russia has to start all of a sudden defending places they haven't even built up to defend, they're in big trouble. Well, I mean, they, they, they can't defend the mainland of Russia, yeah. right? It was, it was months ago that Russian volunteers who were fighting on the side of Ukraine decided that they would cross into Russia proper. They would cross the, 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 the actual recognized, legitimate Russian-Ukrainian border and say, we're, we're, we're coming. And, and they, I mean, they were almost unchallenged, as was Prigozhin when he took over the military base in Rostov-on-Don unchallenged again and then decided to go from there on a, a joyride towards Moscow before he aborted that because he did a bill deal with Putin and then Putin reneged on the deal and blew his plane out of the sky. But when you, when you talk about the Marine landing, 
I actually thought you were talking initially about uh, another one. So the one that you mentioned um, uh, on the Crimean Peninsula was early in the morning of, of Ukrainian Independence Day, the 24th of August. Yes. And, you know, seeing that news on Independence Day was was a big morale boost for, for everybody here. But yeah, the, the Ukrainian Marines went ashore. Um, they had a particular target. It was uh, a, a radar unit, um, and there were Russian forces who were stationed around it. 30 of them were killed. No Ukrainian casualties were taken. I, no losses of life were reported. I'm not sure about injuries. And, and, and the Ukrainians all exfiltrated afterwards and, and just, just told them we can come and do this. But the other one that um, the, the one that I thought you were talking about, actually, was the Ukrainian cross river um, uh, landing on the left bank of the Dnepro, um, where they've created are in the process of creating uh, a bridgehead at a place called the Kozachi Lagari, the, the Cossacks camp. Um, and they've, they've been in there and they haven't been dislodged already for about three weeks now when they keep building up the forces there on the occupied uh, bank of, of the Kherson Oblast too. So th- th- there's lots of there's lots of fronts and lots of fields opening up. Well, and, and that, the what you brought up, the, the crossing that river, the, 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 yeah, that's, you know, once again, there's a lot of signs here that this is going badly for Russia and it's just a matter of time. But once again, I, it's yep. the people, it's the military, it's those brave fighters, it's the people that are giving this pretty brilliant game plan, and it's the citizens that are doing this, and that's where all the credit goes. Let's take a quick break. We'll come on back. I want to talk a little bit about some of the other elements of what's going on, life in Ukraine as well. The, 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 the thoughts on how the U.S. is responding, if it's enough for you guys, and, and then obviously we'll talk about Lifeline Ukraine. Paul Nyland's joining us, the founder of Lifeline Ukraine. 952-946-6205. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Hey, boy. What you say? AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. Paul Nyland joining us this hour talking about what the war in Ukraine, stopping the, the evil forces of the Russians, and, of course, trying to help out the Ukrainian people with Lifeline Ukraine. Uh, Paul, I, I did bring up briefly there Belarus and Hungary. Um, these are two countries. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hungary is basic. Oban is, is basically just saying, if you touch the infrastructure of our gas lines that come into our country, we're going to get involved. I, that's going to be hilarious to watch. Uh, but the, the, the Belarusians uh, as well, they, 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 of course, obviously, and I'll call it, they're stooges of Putin. Uh, what what, what mm-hmm. is the, the Ukrainian thought on those two countries and, and their stances right now? Because obviously they're border countries and that is an obvious threat. Uh, Belarus has been um, essentially taken over by the Putin regime um, because um, they they had a presidential election in August of 2021, which was thoroughly rigged. And then the the good people of Belarus finally finally stood up. They 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 took to the streets, hundreds of thousands of them. They were they were remarkable scenes. Um, I mean, I, I know many Belarusians and, and I, I've followed the situation there very, very closely for, for a long time. I, I've been invited, in actual fact, in the in the very early days of this phase of the war, I was contacted by one of my uh, very good uh, Belarusian uh, contacts who said, uh, my parents said that if you need a safe place to go, you can go to Minsk. Mm-hmm. And my, my response was... Was was exactly what it is what it is right now. You know, I just I just laughed. Like Minsk would not be a safe place for me to be at all. But 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 what happened was uh, Putin uh, 
projected his uh, anti-revolution uh, technology onto Belarus and uh, succeeded to a degree, though the Belarusian uh, opposition, um, or actually government in exile, really is what they should be. Um, the, the, the Belarusian opposition still exists and they have a very strong voice and the, 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 the groundswell of support for them remains a vast majority of the people of Belarus. Um, but, but, but since then, um, since, since Putin saved Lukashenko's bacon, Lukashenko is completely, completely indebted to him. The, the, he has no sovereign control. He has no say. He has no authority. He's only a puppet of, of, of Putin. And that is why Russia was allowed to invade the north of Ukraine and come to attack yeah, from, from Belarus because, because Lukashenko had no choice. Um, Orban and uh, Hungary are, are, are a different different matter entirely. Um, you know that that that's a country that is a member of the EU and of NATO, and and both organisations should really be very very wary of how they are being um, potentially under not potentially of how they are being undermined from within because of what Orban is doing and because of how Orban is also very much not just ideologically aligned with Putin, but very much indebted to Putin as well. But um, it, it, it's interesting that you bring that up because Orban just did a, a, a sit-down interview with Tucker Carlson a few days ago. And I, I, I watched as far as the first question. And, and, and Tucker says, uh, people in America say that the Ukrainians are winning the war. What, what are your thoughts about that? And Orban says... It's a lie. It's not even a misunderstanding. It's a complete lie because Russia cannot lose because Russia has so much more manpower. And again, it goes back to what I said to you there in, in you know, the first segment before the break, right? You, you can mobilize another 200, 400,000 people. You can mobilize a million people. That doesn't make them trained soldiers. And, and so what the, the argument and that was the only question of the interview that I watched because I can't stand to watch Tucker Carlson or to listen to Victor Orban. But, but um, ah. you know, the, the, the argument that Russia has to win because Russia has more people is, is simplistic, naive, and plain stupid. If, if you can't train the people because your officers have been killed, if you have no experienced military because they've all been killed to lead those new recruits, if you cannot equip them... And you mentioned earlier on, Matt, saying that, you know, you, you, you hear reports of Russians being sent to the front lines that don't even have uh, uh, weapons in some cases. I'm seeing more and more reports. It's hot here in, in, in Ukraine at the moment. It's been 34, 35 degrees over the last few days consecutively. It, it's hot here. And they don't, in, they don't even have water in the trenches. If, if you can't get water to your frontline troops, your logistics are a big, big mess. So... You know, yeah, the, 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 there are roles that are being played by Belarus as a staging post, by Hungary as a, 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 a promulgator of Russian propaganda, but neither of them are going to make any difference in the outcome of this war. The outcome of this war is Ukraine wins, Russia will be defeated. Ukraine is 63,000 know, square kilometers of territory, and that will all be restored and put back under Ukrainian government control. That's the end of the war. Oh, and justice, obviously. Mm, yeah. Putin and the others 
who are war criminals to the Hague for trial. The uh, and by the way, you you you're good to call me out. There are a lot of great Belarusians uh, who are not basically part of this, as well as there are people in Hungary. I mean, Orban is is not liked in this country as well. Um, and so, you know, but I can't wait for them to say, hey, we were always on your side after you win. That'll be hilarious. Now, that being said, the, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it is a mixed bag. You do see the United States I see is very much on your side. I actually have no problem. I don't think, you know, sending over F-16s. I think that, you know, I think that that's, you know, that's what you do with allies. And we consider you an ally, the country an ally over there. There have been uh, some people, obviously, Ukraine would love as much help as they can get. Some people have been critical, saying that they can't do enough, as well as also they've been critical of people, like you mentioned, Tucker Carlson, some of the, the paid paid off uh, organizations and politicians that are there just to basically be uh, Russian sounding boards. You know, how how are the people of Ukraine feeling about the United States? Are, are they feeling like we, we're, we're still good allies, or is, is there just frustration with the lack of more more advanced technology and the fact that you do have these clown cars that are running around this country on the side of Russia. So, I mean, you know, if again, just to briefly touch on Tucker Carlson, he, Tucker Carlson was declaring two months ago that the counteroffensive had, past tense, failed, right? Mm-hmm. So it, that, that puts in context where where his knowledge of, of, of this conflict is and... Uh, Again, he's he's uh, applying the, the the positions that he is uh, for personal gain and for personal benefit rather than anything else. Our our feelings towards the United States of America, and I, I mean, I say our because I've been here for twenty years. I, I consider myself to be Ukrainian. Our, our feelings towards uh, our allies in in the United States, uh, bipartisan, mm-hmm. is is we are exceptionally grateful for everything that has been sent there 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 are there are some false narratives again played by people like donald trump and donald trump says europe should pick up the budget more because it's closer etc etc the 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 level of aid that has been provided military aid provided by european union member states and the united states of america are almost on a par right i mean literally that you know within half a billion dollars of each other, right? Um, uh, so, so setting aside the nonsense arguments and the, and, and the, the, the falsehoods. Um, but when I said bipartisan, um, Mitt Romney a few days ago um, once again made the point of the value that, that Americans are actually getting from their investment here. Yes. What support for Ukraine is costing you is... Three percent of your annual budget, your annual defense budget, three percent of it, and for that, fifty percent so far of your biggest adversary's military capability capacity has been eradicated. That, as Mitt Romney said the other day, and many have been saying for months, that is a bargain. Lindsey Graham was here recently as well. He's made exactly the same point. He's exactly he's exactly right. Um, you know, if if I was trying to be completely uh, nonpartisan in this, um, I've just complimented a couple of Republicans. There, there's a criticism that there are some within the the Biden administration who are too timid, who are um, erring on the side of caution because they they fear an escalation. Well, I'm sorry, but Russia's got nothing left to escalate with, yeah. other than other than rhetoric. You know, one of their one of their 
propagandist Solovyov was yesterday talking about destroying the Baltic countries. You know, well, they're NATO members. You can't. You, you can't and won't get anywhere near them. And, and if they did that, if, if, if Russia to attack, were to attack a NATO country, they would be, I, I said uh, on social media, within days, they would be completely obliterated. Somebody came back to me and quoted actually a general saying, no, this person says it would probably take up to about two weeks, mm-hmm. right? But that's, that's a fair estimation. But, but yeah, the, the timidity from some in the Biden administration, and if we're going to name names, Jake Sullivan is the, the, the name that seems to come up most in, in, in what I read, uh, as he is the, 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 the most cautious one. Um, we, we, need, we need longer range strikes. Mm-hmm. We, we, need, we needed to have planes much, much faster. I, one of the first articles that I wrote in this phase of the war, and, and we use that wording because the war has been ongoing. Russia's aggression against Ukraine has been ongoing with a hot war in the Donbass since 2014. But, but one of the first articles that I wrote, um, I, I actually asked the editor not to, not to change the title at all. And the title was, we're here at the invitation of the legitimate government, right? Because every time Russia was accused of, rightly accused, um, of, of committing war crimes in Syria, that was their only answer. They said, we are here at the invitation of the legitimate government. And I, was, and I quoted in this article, uh, the, the chapter 51 of the United Nations Charter, which talks about the right of every nation for self-defense and the right of any other nation to contribute to that. And so my article, probably two months into this war, was give us, give us airplanes. Give us, give us the means to control the skies and to claim air superiority. Ukraine did not have an air force, but could have been supplied with one. And, and I'm talking about with, with old Soviet stock as well, like you know stuff that is sitting in neighboring Central European states that you know they, they've been operating in their air forces for decades. We, we could have got that. It didn't happen. We should have had the F-16s agreed much earlier. It yeah. didn't happen. We still have not seen the Abrahams tanks here. I know that they're complicated pieces of equipment. I know that they're essentially a jet engine with tons of steel and, and a big gun on the top of it. You know, I, 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 I get all the logistical issues, but you know what? Don't present to me this is a problem and so no you present to me, this is a problem and this is the solution. Mm-hmm. Because from, from our perspective, from our perspective, delays, and not just in US Abrams tank, but, but, but the, the, uh, the, the leopard tanks that are produced in Europe as well, delays in uh, providing Ukraine the material that it needs to hasten the victory means more lost lives. So, so that's our position, and I, mm. and I tried to answer your question in as balanced a way as possible, talking about Republicans, Democrats, the United States, and Europe. You know, uh, it, 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 it's, it's not a, a pointed criticism at no, the no. U.S. specifically or any particular element or, 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 or particular political side in the U.S. It's, it's to you all. It's to you all. And, and let's talk about Australia as well. Let's talk about Australia. They've got these brilliant, brilliant vehicles called Bushmasters, right? They've sent us about, I think, four dozen of them, right? Well, I, I, they, they're great. They've proven their worth. They are saving lives. 
They're heavily, heavily armored and heavily protected, and they move very, very fast through Ukrainian terrain. Send another 250 of them now. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I want to, you know, a few things here. I want to make, make sure I review for everyone else who's listening. First of all, there are and, and there are a lot of Democrats. The vast majority of Democrats are 100 percent on board with Ukraine. I am personally on. But the, the Russians don't have anything that can compete with the F-16. The F-16 changes the dynamic so much. The Russians don't have anything that can hit it. And so it, it's it's yeah, it's an under, it's putting a finger on the scale. But as you said, we're investing a small bit here. We are literally watching the Ukrainians dismantle the Russian military force with us. That is a value that we will never be able to repay. We need to be sending you thank you cards for the next 5,000 years because of what you've been able to do to the Russia. So I think it is. And by the way, if you want to be bipartisan, Nikki Haley absolutely smacking down Ramaswamy at the debate saying, no, this is our ally. We help Ukraine. And I think that that is that's one thing that is mm-hmm. is endearing, at least for me, is I hear the vast majority of voices in this country saying, help Ukraine any way we can. That's the important thing. If I can, I want to switch a little bit here uh, at the end here. I want to talk a little bit about when we, you and I talked before we, we started recording, you said I'm exhausted. And I have to imagine that is the mentality. This has been uh, you know a year and a half, a little more than a year and a half, I believe, at this point. And this has been, you know, it, it's ongoing. The strains on the, the, the Ukrainian people. Talk a little bit about that and, and how the day-to-day life is, is going there. Obviously, we talked about the threats of still Russian attacks, but how are how are the Russian people? Excuse me, the Ukrainian people dealing with the day to day element of this of this you know war going on? I I, I saw a photograph of some cretin standing in a square in uh, in 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 the Netherlands the day before yesterday, and he's holding a sign saying, "We're tired of this war." Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, th- there's nobody who is more tired of this war than th- than than the people of Ukraine. And um, it, it, it is it is it is ever present, Matt. And, and, you know, ever, ever present is, for example, our fears of the, the text message that might come in 20 seconds saying that, that I've lost a loved one. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that is that that is a, 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 a minute to minute reality it's something that never leaves you um at the at the same time at the same time we have no other choice we we have no other country we've got nowhere to go to right people say like you know give putin an off-ramp putin's got 11 time zones of Mm off-ramps get your troops back across your border you've got all the space that you need there you don't need any more territory and you're not having any of ours right this is Ukraine. This is Ukrainian land. Ukrainian people live here. All of it will be liberated so that the Ukrainian people can live a democratic future in peace. That is what is going to happen. And and so it doesn't... Yes, we are exhausted. Yes, there is the constant psychological stress. There, 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 there are the things that we have been subjected to, some of us, and witnessed all of us and experienced all of us that 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 drain that that chip away that add to the lines around your eyes and the wrinkles on your forehead whatever whatever there is no choice U- ukraine will win ukraine has to win ukraine will liberate all of its territory the you know the 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 the, the people of crimea have been suffering 
under Russian occupation and the, the militarization of their peninsula. And, and now there are recruitment or, or conscription centers being opened up in Crimea to recruit tens of thousands of Crimean residents to go and fight against their own country, which in itself is a war crime. An, an occupational authority cannot conscript the local population of an area that it controls, however temporarily or however permanently, and it is only temporary. But, you know, the, 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 the Crimean Tatars, who are the indigenous population yeah. of that peninsula, have, have, have seen nothing but persecution now for nine and a half years, you know, being, being locked up for, for, for having their, their own language, culture and identity and, and objecting to their homeland being taken over by the Russian invaders. Yeah, it's yes, it's exhausting. It's exhausting, but we have no choice. Mm -hmm. We have no choice. The, 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 there's a book actually by an American journalist. He's the FT correspondent, Chris Miller, and and he t he titled his book "The War Came to Us," and 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 that's that's the reality, right? The war came to us, but 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 we we will finish it, mm -hmm. and we will finish it where it started. It started first of all on the 27th of February of 2014. The, the, the revolution of dignity finished on the 22nd of February when Yanukovych fled to Russia, right? And, and for five days, it was like, what did we just go through? Again, the exhaustion after, after 93 days of, of participating in a revolution and, and being on Maidan when, when it was on fire, when, when, when people were being killed, when, when there were all kinds of attempts to, to, to bring an end to that rightful movement. We were exhausted on the 22nd of February, but Yanukovych was gone. And so we were euphoric at the same time. And then the 27th of February, five days later, the Russian military operation to seize Crimea began in earnest. It had been planned years before anyway, but it began in earnest with their special uh, forces soldiers taking over the Crimean parliament building and and and, and forcing the, the members of, of parliament to to call some kind of referendum that the Russians then staged. It began in Crimea, it will end in Crimea. And 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 once Crimea is liberated and the, the Russians that have been moved in to assimilate uh, the and, and change the demographic of the local population, once they've been kicked out, then the Kerch Bridge can be dropped and 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 that blight on the the map will be eradicated as well. And that will be the final point other than justice in the Hague. Lifeline Ukraine is offering mental health services, suicide prevention for Ukrainian troops, their family members, basically anyone that calls. Your call levels, I imagine, are still at, at, at peak levels as they've been last time we talked, right, Paul? We, we, we began Lifeline Ukraine, Matt, as, as a support service for troops and their family members. We... we um, evolved a long time ago to being simply the national suicide prevention hotline for anybody who needs us. Um, we're, we're very proud of our roots that our, our beginning, we, we were inspired to come together and create what we did because we, we, we wanted to help the military. But, but now we help anybody. And when, when we last spoke, I'm, I might have touched on the, the kinds of additional trainings the additional expertise and, uh, and, and knowledge that we're taking on board to help with certain uh, specifics 
related to what the Russians have been doing in this phase of the war. Um, we, we, we took on training, for example, to know how to support victims of, 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 of sexual violence. And today I read an article um, saying that there are now 93,000 reported cases <laughs> of sexual violence at the, at the hands of the, the Russian occupiers. Each one of them, each one of them is, a, is an absolute nightmare being lived for each of each of those victims and and we we took on training to help people who are displaced by war and that's that's a situation that affects millions and millions of ukrainians uh, there's there's about 11 million ukrainians that displaced seven inside the country and 4 million who are refugees we 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 used to have before the 24th of february last year we used to average a thousand instances of support per month that we were providing um in uh april and may of this year in the spring of this year it was close to 6000 a, a, a sixfold increase in the demand for support for for lifeline ukraine so you know i'm 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 proud of what my colleagues uh, have, have 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 achieved um, and what they continue to do, and um, it, it, it's professionally, it, it's the, it's the most it, it's the most wonderful and impact impactful thing that, that that I've ever done with with my life. And I, you know, the 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 that we are called on to such a degree now uh, as a result of this this war. I'm just I'm, I'm grateful every day that 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 we did what we did. That I was that I was invited to create this and and create it i did and and it stands there today to support every person in ukraine who is experiencing some kind experiencing some kind of emotional crisis or or, or psychological trauma and uh we, we we will continue to be here forever to to continue to support those people LifelineUkraine.com. If you go to the language bar, you can pull up the English do- site, and there's a big old donate button there, folks. I want everyone to go out there and click on it and make a donation. Help them out, and it's one little thing you can do here as we also lobby all of our politicians to make sure that we're getting – let's send the F-16s over there as well. Um, keep kicking their ass. Just keep kicking their ass. It is a beautiful thing to watch. And as I said to you before we got on the air, it's enjoyable watching Russia lose their entire military. By the, by the time this is all over, they're going to bring back the, all the stuff they used for the last Crimean War in the 1850s because that's literally all they're going to have is horses and carts because you guys have absolutely been brilliant in your fight to preserve your country. So God bless you all. I think you're doing a wonderful job. Matt, I, I, I thank you once again for having this opportunity to speak to you and to your audience and uh, let, let, let's do it again sometime. Absolutely. You can come back anytime. Paul Nyland, Lifeline Ukraine. Uh, we'll take a break. Come back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950.